Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning. It is time to skip the BS. Time for Undisputed. Time for you to let us know what you think at Hashtag Undisputed Live. And right now, it's time to talk Draymond at it again. Time for me to say hello to Keyshawn Johnson and Richard Sherman. And by the way, guys, no matter what I say today, please do not put me in a headlock. As I always say about Undisputed, no punches pulled, but none thrown. Good morning to both of you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you, don't worry about, you don't have to worry about Yeah, I know. I no. got you where I want you. Way, way over there in Ohio. Okay. So, last night in San Francisco, before either team had scored a single point, Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels got into it. Rudy Gobert tried to separate them, and Draymond Green put a headlock on Rudy and pulled him away. Clay, Jaden McDaniels, Draymond all got ejected. Draymond for a flagrant two. So here's what Warriors coach Steve Kerr had to say about all of the above. No way Clay should have been ejected. That was ridiculous. Um, so I was upset about that. And then uh, the Draymond piece of it, um, if you watch the replay, Rudy had his uh, hands on Clay's neck. And that's why Draymond went after Rudy. Okay. So, after the game, Gobert repeatedly referred to Draymond's actions as quote-unquote clown behavior and said of Steph Curry being out with an injury. Every time Steph doesn't play, Draymond doesn't want to play without his guy Steph, so he does anything he can to get ejected. And then Rudy Gobert added, I do hope this league does what needs to be done, meaning I'm pretty sure suspend Draymond. So, Keyshawn Johnson, who is most to blame for all of this? Well, I, I, well, first of all, the initial the initial attack on Clay Thompson was a bit much there, uh, Skip. I mean, you grabbing a guy, throwing him around a couple of times. Now, Draymond, obviously, from a distance, is looking at Rudy Gobert, put his hands on his teammate. I'm all... Uh, I'm 100% with the enforcer. Yeah. He's my enforcer in Draymond Green. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% with protecting my players on my team. I'm not going to sit back and allow somebody to do something to you or Richard Sherman or Michael Irvin if I'm within eyes, distance, arm length to be able to get to him. Yeah. And I know we all want to jump on Draymond because Draymond's history at getting ejected. What Draymond did last year, uh, preseason and training camp that he did to pool. I mean, yeah. so he has a history. So the first thing we want to do is condemn him 
for the actions. Now, look, it's a fragrant two. Okay, that's fine. He may get suspended a game or whatever. I'm willing to accept that based on him protecting one of my star players. Um, you know, and coach, and coach said it right there. When you look at the situation, dude putting his hands on my teammate. Right. I'm not going to sit back and allow that to happen. And Clay's, you know, we would think that Clay is, is well enough to protect himself. But in that situation, I got my dog with me. He gonna, he's going to do it for me. Therefore, I can now go my own way and allow him to step in and lead the charge. So if anything, as far as I'm concerned, it's on Rudy Gobert. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, first off, it was between those two. It was a good little scuffle. They ripped Clay's jersey. I think both of them deserve to get ejected or both of them just get attacked. Whatever you want to do, but it got to be equal punishment to both because they both were involved in it. You can't just sit there and say, oh, Clay Thompson gets ejected and McDaniel gets to stay. I don't, I don't agree with the way they handled that. Now, Rudy Gobert in this situation is 100% wrong. You don't grab, in the middle of a scuffle, you grab your guy. You grab the guy because anything else exactly. you do is incendiary. You, you, grab, you grab our guy in the middle of a scuffle with your guy, it looks like it's two-on-one. And soon as you see that from a distance, regardless of anything that happens, it's going to be you've just reignited the fire for everybody. So if you grab uh, McDaniel and you walk away, nothing else happens. Nobody, nobody gets any extra. Everybody walks away. But the moment you grab a player from the opposing team, then you are sparking the fire. You are throwing gasoline on the fire, and everything that else that happens after that is on you. Like, you, you get mad at Draymond, then don't grab his guy. Grab your guy. That's your teammate. I don't know what your intentions are when you grab my guy, so I'm going to assume that they're malicious, and I'm going to act accordingly. And that's what Draymond did. He was not in the wrong for, for doing that. Like you said, Keith, he is the enforcer on that team. He is the guy that's going to stand up for his guys, and that's what he did. Are you okay that he put yeah, a headlock on Rudy Gobert? Yeah, you do what you got to do. Rudy, Rudy Gobert, 7'10". Seven, 7'10". Seven, <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead, Yeah, Keyshawn. Skip, it was, a, it, was a, it was a headlock, Skip, but this was not a – He was, it wasn't the chokehold, okay? It wasn't one of those. Yeah. He was not – he was pulling him away from him in the headlock, and as I'll people start to crowd around and everybody's pushing and shoving, yeah. it looks a little bit more egregious than what it really truly is when you break it all the way down, Skip. Now, like Richard just said, you pull your own guy away like CP3 did. What did CP3 do? He went and got Clay Thompson and said, come on over here. He didn't go and grab a, a, a Minnesota Timberwolves. No. He grabbed his own guy. Okay, I got you. I'm going to start from the start. I was shocked because there's there's an out of character behavior here from Clay Thompson. He he doesn't usually play this style of basketball because we've we barely gotten into the game. Jaden McDaniel said that he was that Clay was chirping before the game, which is not like Clay to chirp pregame. So I don't know if there was some bad blood back and forth, and I can't believe because it's an in-season tournament game that, that players are hyped for it. I, I just don't think they're taking it that seriously. Like, Clay's all into, like, NBA Finals serious mode. But for whatever reason, as you guys point out, as Clay is trying to, to shield Jaden off from, from the missed shot, he reaches and, and grabs him, as Jaden said, by the collar of his jersey and is holding on to the collar of his jersey as he's screening him with an arm bar. Okay, so right there... That's out of character, and it's out of line. And I don't bl uh, blame Jaden for saying, let me go. And then he grabs Clay's jersey as they go up court. 
And one thing leads to another. I'm with, I forget which one of you said, I think uh, Keyshawn said, I, I don't see how you eject both of them for that. That's just a tech and a Jayden, tech. Jaden threw a punch. Did, did he? Watch it. Okay. Watch it. Is there a punch thought? Well, watch then, it. Then watch how, it. Push, right? push, 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 push. Punch coming. Okay. Bang. Wait, wait I see. Yeah, it was a right hand. Punch. I, I thought no, no, Clay no, threw a right punch hand, with his skip. left hand. No, it was a right. It was a right hand. Right as they crossed the the mid court, he he hit him with a right hand. And then throw a, throw a he left hit him right, with a right hand. Watch it. Watch it. Well, I'm seeing Clay throw a left hand. Look, watch it close, Skip. Mm-hmm. Push, 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 push. Right there. Bam. Just trying to he lift his arm punch. up. Look, just trying to watch at the end of that. Watch three. Left hand straight. Left straight. Yeah. Is there a punch? He went landing? right, then he went left. I don't see a punch. Yeah, he went right, then he went left. Watch at the end. Just watch, watch Jaden. Watch it past half court. Here it comes, Skip. Bang. Okay. I, I see him lift his elbow you up, keep, but I don't see a, a, a punch like a You keep a looking away right when it happens. Stop looking away right when it happens. I see Skip. Clay go with his left like he threw a punch. <laughs> okay, but, but they're just, okay, this is just me. I'm old school NBA. I've been watching since the 70s. In the 80s in the NBA, that was absolutely nothing. That, that was play on. Trust me, it was play on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just for, from my perspective, my value system, I'm still giving them both a technical foul. I, I don't see any punches landed, but this is today's NBA. So, right. okay, whatever. Now we get to Gobert comes in to separate. Okay, what's Gobert's reputation in this league? Is he a, a lover or a fighter? He's a lover, right? Well, come on. Let's be, let's be honest about it. Is Rudy Gobert, does he have enforcer in him? I, I don't think so. Draymond does. Rudy, not so much. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's been the knock on Rudy is he doesn't have enough, quote, unquote, killer instinct. So I believe, as the refs concluded, that Rudy was coming into, they, they said he was a peacemaker. That's what they said after the game. Referees. Uh, absolved him from blame because they said he's peacemaking. He's just trying to push them apart, break them up. But you guys don't like it when he's putting hands on both players. No, because he didn't in, put hands on both players. He yeah. put hands on the Golden State player. He put yeah. hands on Klay Thompson because Jaden McDaniels was already was already gone. They were already separated, Skip. That's the problem. When they're already separated and you're talking about peacemaker, you, you, you weren't needed. You weren't required. Where's Jaden McDaniel when he comes in? He, he's already back. He's at three-point line. And then you're the problem. You're the reason this escalates further okay. because Chris Paul is coming in to, to try to grab his guy like yeah. he should. And you should go grab your guy. If you want to de-escalate the situation and be a peacemaker, then grab your guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm trying to see what Steve Kerr saw, or at least his coaches saw, that that Rudy is putting hands around Clay's neck. Is, is he putting hands? The, on? Yeah, he, 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 he touched him. He touched I, I can't really He touched him. Yeah, right. No, no, he touched really. him right at right there. You see? I don't you see, see he touches him. Neck. He grabs him. No, no, no. He grabs him in a mini chokehold around his neck. He clearly does it. Right there. Right there. You see that? He clearly he does pull it. Him away. He should not skip. Okay. Touch the other player that's not on his team at all whatsoever. He violated the code. Okay. If the Warriors are about it, which they are. They're going to protect their guy. They're not going to sit back and just allow no. some dude to touch. It's just not going to happen, not in professional sports. No. It wouldn't have happened in the 80s. It wouldn't have happened in the 70s. And you mentioned 70s. Well, hell, I caught the end of the 70s. 
You know, I didn't, I didn't catch in the beginning like you, but I caught yeah. the end. And I caught the 80s. And I know the way Detroit beat up Michael. I get it. I understand all of those sort of things. But you cannot do what they're doing right there and think you're going to get away with it. Not going to happen. Just just remember my perspective. I was covering the game the night that Kermit Washington got a head start, a running start, and hit Rudy Tomjanovich with a straight right to the jaw Mm. that nearly killed Rudy Tomjanovich because then I had to go to the hospital and stay up all night covering, like, quote-unquote, death watch because they said they thought he was not going to make it through the night. That's my perspective on the old NBA that the current commissioner <laughs> wants no part of, obviously. Right, because it's, it, perception is reality these days, Skip. And these days you don't want to see conflict. You know, yeah. you, you don't want to see there's enough chaos in the world. But no. this was a let, it, let them play. You're right, Skip. This should have been a double tech. And, or whatever it should have been, it should have been equal. You can't yeah. kick one out and keep one in All at right. the end of the day. I mean, you can kick Draymond out. That, that was a little extra. It, it was a little extra. Okay. I, I get what both of you say, and, and Keyshawn, the, the whole idea of it was a headlock, but it wasn't like a chokehold. It wasn't like he's trying to choke him out. He's trying to pull him away with with arm locked around neck, he's pulling his neck. It's a bad look for the NBA because I I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I I, I don't think I've ever seen that. But I can tell you this, Draymond, high basketball IQ, he knows who he could sort of get away with that against and who he couldn't. And even though, as Richard said, I I don't know how tall Rudy is. He's like 7'12 or 14 (laughs) or something, whatever he is. But Draymond knows he can get away with that with Rudy. And there are other players you probably couldn't get away with that with without starting a second fight. You'd have an all-out fight if you tried to pull somebody away with it. See, see, Skip, I think in this situation, it wouldn't matter. It it wouldn't matter if it was Ron Artest. I think in this situation, it wouldn't matter to Draymond because he's trying to protect. No, yeah. no, I, I understand you would have your hands full, but Steven Ron Artest is a major full. enforcer, yeah. a guy yeah. that you probably don't want to do that to. Yeah. But because Draymond is the enforcer on this particular team, he, is. he wouldn't allow. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't uh, uh, grab him by the neck in the choke. Maybe he pushes him and grabs. I don't know, but he's not gonna sit back and watch his teammate yeah. get attacked by somebody. He's just not gonna do it. Yeah, and then when you look at this. As a whole, Skip, you talk about uh, Draymond and, and who he is and the things that he's done. He's a, you know, he's the highest uh, technical foul guy. Ejections yeah. in the NBA right now. He's an yeah. active player. Yeah. I mean, just his history go all the way back to 2016. Yeah. And Steven Adams when he kicked him in the groin. Yeah. I mean, you just so he, much he in, in history in with him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he kicked LeBron. He yeah. will never get the benefit of the doubt from a form of public opinion. And nor should he, based on some of the, his actions and his behavior. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not letting him off the hook at okay. all. But I also understand what he's doing. Okay. Given his track record, should he be suspended? Do you think that will factor yeah, I mean, into it, suspension? It definitely will factor yeah. in, Skip. They'll definitely suspend yeah. him because of his history. Because, yeah. but I don't like what you said earlier, Skip. Where you're like, well, they see Rudy Gobert as a peacekeeper. Everybody's Clay's, like you just said. Clay's not used to this. Well, not I, used I didn't to, say Clay. the ref said it. Right, I, but I'm well, just saying that's what they well, they they were quoted as saying he was a peacemaker. And I don't like yeah, that. Don't it. go into a situation it. with yeah. preconceived notions because Clay's a peaceful guy. Clay's he a pretty is. peaceful no, guy. That's what I said. And so. Yeah. Totally 
totally you, out of character. When you go into this situation, sometimes peaceful guys turn war. And so you yep. can't assume, oh, Rudy Gobert's going in there to, to make the beat. No, he's yep. going into a war to war. So okay. don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt when he's grabbing the opposing team's player. Okay. Now, back to Keyshawn's point about Draymond's history. Since he entered the league, the, the actual stat, uh, Keyshawn, is 18 ejections. He has by Man. far the most ejections since he entered the league. On just pure technical fouls, Draymond has 144 since he entered. Guess who has four more than that at 148? Russell Westbrook. I was surprised by that. Really? That Russ has four more, 148 to 144 since Draymond entered the league. Then we all know That's what just happened. technicals, though, right? Technicals. Those just are technicals. Yes. So, yeah, I can see Westbrook getting technicals. Yeah, he's, well, he's got a lot. Of, that's a lot of technicals. But the point is, Draymond has paid $1.5 million in fines. I don't know how you guys would have felt about $1.5 million coming out of your pocket and just fine money that you could have kept if you'd just... Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't. I learned my lesson a couple times with the fines. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then I learned my lesson. We all know what happened with Jordan Poole. I don't know how you guys felt, but at the time, it there's just one line you cannot cross. As mad as you get at a teammate, you you, you can't go jack him in the jaw. You you can't go, you know, you can't go lay him out. And Draymond, I don't know what was said. I'm sure Jordan Poole said something that was punch-worthy, but you just can't. You, you, you can't cross that line. And I thought it might be the end of the line for Draymond as a warrior, but they finally made a call at the end of the year. Nope, we're going to go forward with Draymond. I thought it would be more trouble than worth going forward. But as you guys know, he has been the guts of this team where – he is the enforcer. He's the only physical player on a very finesse-based team. Even the head coach was a finesse player. Remember, he got punched by Michael Jordan. He didn't punch Michael Jordan. He got punched. And the, the team has been finesse maybe to a fault, except for the one guy who, as you pointed out, Keyshawn, he got ejected in what was it, game four. He got suspended for game five. It was mm -hmm. for game four of the 2016 NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. So the, the point is... This team wouldn't have won without Draymond's right. enforcement, without the edge that he brings. Right. There are times I yeah. think he takes the, his edge over the edge mm -hmm. because he tries to play to the, the part of he, he's almost become like a wrestling villain. Like he just goes crazy. That time he got suspended, I mean, uh, ejected back in it was game one two years ago at Memphis first round of the playoffs. And I think we have the the video of it where, remember, he took a victory lap all the way around the arena. Here, here he is at Memphis. Yeah, just yeah that crazy. was crazy. It's just like, it's, it's a little bit over the edge to me where you've just kind of lost yeah. it. But he, he just delights in that. He, he likes to play that role of the wrestling villain. So it, how crucial do you guys think he is to this team? He's, a, he's essential. You, yeah. just, you just said it, yeah. Skip. They're not winning the championships no. without him. So it, it, that's as central as it gets. If, they, if he's not on this team, do, certain, they win, uh, do they win the championships that they won? Well, I don't think they, they do. I, and you can make a case they would have won the one in 2016 when they're up three games to one if, if he, he had played. not been suspended. And, right. and I still can't believe you, they suspended you, a starter for a game five of the NBA Finals. But they did because of his track record. You know how this thing goes, Skip. We're going to tolerate you till we don't have to tolerate you. Yeah, I know. In, yeah. in this situation, it's in all sports. You can have a guy 
that is this enforcer, has the energy, is the guy that they look to to do some things, to get them going in the right direction. But the moment that that play completely just slips off where you're no longer a defensive stopper, you're no longer a rebounder, you're no longer the passer that can run the offense, when you're no longer that guy and you're still having these antics at that point in time, that's when they say bye-bye to you. And you know this, Skip, every single team, not every team, but a majority of the teams in your heyday of the 80s, the 70s, and yep. even in the early 90s, everybody had one of these guys. I don't care if it was Dennis Rodman uh, uh, or Rick Mahorn Kurt or Rambis. Charles Oakley yep. or Kurt Rambis. Yep. Everybody had one of they these did. guys. They sure did. No, I, I hear you. I just think in the big picture, the way this team is built, that what Draymond did, even though I'm pretty sure he'll get suspended and should get suspended, it will actually benefit the psyche of the Warriors because they're going to love this quietly that he did to your both your points. He did jump in and he put a headlock on Rudy Gobert and said, no, not in my house. Yeah, I mean, right? in a way, they condoned uh, Draymond's behavior when they kept him this year and they got rid of Jordan they Poole. Did. They said, hey. I hear what you guys are saying, yeah. but this is a core guy. So regardless of the fact that he punched he punched Jordan Poole in the face and it's documented, it's on camera. It is. We prefer him and over by the Jordan Poole. Somebody leaked that to the media because that was uh, private man. practice video, man. And somehow it got leaked because I'm guessing, and I guessed at the time, somebody wanted Draymond gone. They, they wanted to ruin his reputation as a warrior. And it almost did. But to your point, no. I I just really want to know what Jordan Poole said to him to get him to do this. And I'm not talking about just this moment. Something led up to this. I agree. Something, right? Something. I I just want to know what that something is. But I also say this, Skip. It's curious that the reaction to this is much different than the reaction to, to Jordan punching Kerr. Like, much different than the reaction. Well, nobody that, knew about it at the moment. It, it, took, it took a while to come out and see. Even when you knew book. about it, you weren't sitting there like, like, oh, man, Jordan needs to get Jordan's reputation. You're like, man, Jordan's a competitor. Yeah, but, it was a, but, but, even, but, but still, though, we, first of all, we didn't have the video. No. We didn't see we didn't it. See it's it. a different world now. Yeah. And for all God's sake, well, that's Michael damn Jordan. I understand. Ain't nobody going to say that to MJ. I, 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 I'm understanding. MJ. But I'm saying somebody getting put. That's why I tell you. That's why I tell you, Keith. You keep acting like this social media age ain't different and, and shouldn't be treated different. It should be treated different. And the players yep. should be be given more, more leeway now. Because back in the day, you just... They were doing a lot of the same things that just weren't getting caught on camera. And so now you're like, well, it so was, it was just you, bad. So why should you get leeway? Why, why should you get leeway? Because it's caught on camera. Why, why would I give somebody leeway? Because it's caught on camera. Because you've you given leeway to the guys that punishing. You pun, you, you, you're, you're punishing, punishing these Michael guys. Jordan. You're overanalyzing these guys. You're punishing Michael Jordan. You're overanalyzing these guys. Is what I'm saying. The yeah. Social media allows you to overanalyze guys, and it's overanalyzed, over uh, over scout, over freaking criticize. And so now guys have to deal with the scrutiny, over scrutinized. So when you make mistakes, you got to deal with yeah. 87 people watching all 22. You got to watch that. And everybody got to watch this Draymond video and rewind it, slow mo it, do this. You didn't have to deal with that. No. And yet, by the way, when I first read that Michael had punched Steve Kerr, I thought, come on, Michael, you're better than that. Pick on somebody your own size. And then I continue to read that he also in practice punched Will Purdue, a seven footer out of Vanderbilt University. So he picked on somebody a little taller than him. Just for the record. He went to he went to Van, he went to Vandy, Skip. Yeah. <laughs>
So you're saying he's soft because he went to Vandy? <laughs> That's what he's saying. I, I, I didn't. You said it. I didn't okay. say it. Well, it came nobody out of your ever mouth. accused Richard of being soft going to Little Stanford, right? Little Stanford? Is Stanford? Stanford? Yeah. It's what are we talking about? This is private school yeah, yeah, they, they Palo them. Alto? Mm-mm. Yeah. Out on the farm? I don't know. Skip, it ain't where you, where you uh, went to school waiting. and where you're from. That's why they didn't go and stuff. Bingo. I'm, yeah, just, I'm just waiting to get one of those words from Richard I can't spell. You know? I just <laughs> like want one of those. <laughs> you wanted it to be antiquated so bad, Skip, but no, antiquated. I like it. All right, up next, more breaking news. Whew. We got to discuss this. Deshaun gone for the year. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson gone for the year. Wait, to a shoulder injury? I didn't see that coming. I thought he was. I thought he was clear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We have breaking news here on Undisputed. Deshaun Watson will undergo season-ending surgery to repair a fracture in his throwing shoulder. Now, hold on, wait a second. I thought he was having an MRI on Monday on his ankle. Huh. So, according to a Brown statement this morning, team doctors determined that Watson needed immediate surgery to avoid further structural damage. Watson is expected to be back for the start of the 2024 season. But Richard, what's your gut reaction on this? Uh, frustration, frustration, um, anger. I, I, if I'm his, if I'm his family, if I'm his agent, if I'm Deshaun, I'm almost filing malpractice. Yeah. Because for for these doctors to clear, to medically clear him, and have the public and fans. Up in arms when he's saying, "Hey, I can't, I can't throw. I, I, I don't, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm, I, I'm having pain in my shoulder. I can't throw." And these, his head coach to go out in the public yep. and say, and this is Stefanski, mm-hmm. pretty much throwing him under the bus. Can yes. you give me that clip? Because I didn't understand it at the time when I've never heard of a head coach saying, "Hey." My, my quarterback is injured. I don't know what's wrong with him. They said he's not injured, but he just says he can't play. So that's, that's my answer. He, usually you say, hey, he's not, he's not feeling it himself. We're going to protect him. We're going to hold him out. We, as a team, like we're together. You don't separate yourself from him. So can I get that clip of Stefanski's presser, please? He knows his body. He's played through serious pain before, very, very serious injuries. Um, it wasn't a matter of pain tolerance or anything. He just did not feel like he had his full faculties. Like, I, I just don't understand that. And I don't understand how, as doctors, you don't find the problem until now. And when you find the problem, you say, hey, it's an emergency. His shoulder may fall apart if he has takes another hit. Well, imagine if you would have just found it in week three when he got injured versus the Tennessee Titans. And in that game that he got injured, he was freaking great. He was 27 of 33 for 289 and two touchdowns. And then he played well versus 
the Baltimore Ravens, he played a game against the Baltimore Ravens, and again, people are questioning his toughness week in and week out. Oh, what's wrong with Deshaun? Oh, man, I don't get it. He's not, he doesn't have the same zip on the ball. Well, he has a fracture in his shoulder. And I, I don't know about you, Skip, but I, I, I just I, I can't imagine. And by the way, before you go, Keyshawn, the, the point Kevin Stefanski was making in the soundbite you just heard was the doctors cleared him and don't look at me. He just said he didn't want to go. He just didn't feel right about going. Yeah, because he, he had a fractured shoulder, but nobody was saying that at that point. Go ahead, Keyshawn. Well, I think when you when you look at professional athletes and Richard knows this from from being injured at times and still fighting through it, figuring out how to play for his team. I think this is Deshaun's situation where early on after the Tennessee Titans game, you look at the situation in week three to where we are now. It got worse over time. But Deshaun the entire time had been medically treating it to a point trying to play, to be there for the team. He understands from a year ago when he joined this team to where he is now, it hasn't been the best for him as far as his play on the field. He had to get over some things off the field, but he wanted to continue to try to get through this. The time that we're talking about with Stefanski, he couldn't play, as, as, as Coach said, he knows his body better than the doctors, even though you are medically cleared at times, you still know, okay, it doesn't feel right. I cannot participate. I cannot throw. Although he did want to take shots. He did want to figure out some medicine that could allow him to stay on the field into such due time that he went to multiple doctors over a period of time to continue to get opinions about whether or not he should try this. And they said no, because if you get hit again, your, your shoulder's going to be on the ground. Mm. And, and that was the, the sign yeah. and the telltale to say, okay, let's just do this. Let's end this. Let's end his season now. Let's have this surgery so he can be back in 2024. Now you go back and you go back and you now look at those doctors that examined him, whether it was team doctors or somebody off the team, whoever it was, you go back to week three and you look at those doctors and now you want to know what did you see? that gave you the indication that Deshaun Watson could play the rest of the season, play half the season, play at all. What tells you that? And if I'm Deshaun, I'm his his agent, I'm his family, like like Sherm said, we need answers. Because if you catch this early enough, you can either fix the problem or we could have had surgery way back then. Because a fracture... If you keep playing on it and it gets hit again, it's going to continue to crack. It's going to continue to break. I don't know what type of fracture it is. Is it a hairline fracture in the shoulder? Is it something completely ripping apart? I don't know, but you certainly should be able to tell from the first examination what it is and what it could end up being in giving Deshaun that information to let him make a decision, an educated decision on whether or not he wants to continue the season. And I don't think they did that at that time. Okay. So I would like to emphasize what Deshaun Watson pulled off this past Sunday at Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about all time heroic. Mm -hmm. So now we know he's playing with some sort of fracture in his throwing shoulder. And he struggled in the first half. 
And he wound up, what was he, one for his first nine, six for his first 20. Mm -hmm. And near the end of the first half, remember, in the red zone, Jadavian Clowney, his former teammate, the Texans, caught him from behind and, and reached and got him around the ankle. And he turned his ankle so badly, Deshaun did, he limped to the sideline and limped early to the locker room before halftime. So I'm fixated on ankle. But he sucks it up on his ankle, as far as I know, mm -hmm. and plays an all-time great second half. He goes 14 for 14 in the second half. Deshaun goes 7 of 7 in the fourth quarter as they mount a comeback from 14 points down for 88 yards. 7 for 7 for 88 yards. All-time heroic to bring your team back to a win against the team that I thought, silly me, was easily the best team in pro football and looked like the best team in pro football for much of that football game. And all of a sudden, Deshaun said, no, I got you. And then it was announced after the game he needed an MRI on his ankle. And I'm thinking, yeah, it looked pretty bad. I, I think he had to really suck it up and tough through his ankle. And then I hear this. You played with a fractured throwing shoulder and went 14 for 14. You, you got to give it up. But we knew Deshaun. Listen, I've been the biggest Deshaun fan. I'm not a fan of what happened off the field in Houston. I've said it a thousand times. But I am still a huge fan of him back to his Clemson days when he almost beat St. Nick twice. He almost beat him twice and did finally beat him on the, the second time around on the last play of the game to Hunter Renfro. But the point is, he tore his ACL at Clemson and just sucked it up and played right on through it because you cannot you, you won't find a tougher quarterback in this league than that man. Yeah, but but and, and you are right, Skip. And I, I it's a we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, a football player. We're going to leave the off field stuff off the field. But this is a tough player. But I, I, I almost need to go away from Deshaun Watson because yes. this is a, a clear indictment. It is on the doctors and the medical this staff malpractice. of the I Cleveland agree. Browns. Yeah. Like you cleared this man and then put him in harm's way. You, some of those hits he's taking, some of the way his shoulder is hitting the ground repeatedly. And this is his shoulder. This is his throwing shoulder. So this could be a potentially career-threatening injury. You're saying his shoulder could potentially fall apart. I don't know what that means, Key, Skip, but that sounds pretty bad. You're saying a quarterback, a $230 million quarterback's throwing shoulder could fall apart if he takes another hit because you misdiagnosed him in week three. Yeah. And then the head coach goes in front of the media and says, our doctors didn't see anything. I know Deshaun's a really tough guy. He says he just doesn't feel right. We couldn't find anything, but he's not going to play because he don't feel right. Yeah. Like for you to say that about a guy who has a fracture in his shoulder, you, that means you clearly, these doctors clearly didn't do the x-ray the first time. Yeah. They did an MRI and said, hey, it's not a rotator cuff issue. It's not a torn labrum. It's not any of the obvious stuff. So, but these are professionals. These are supposed to be the best in the business. So these, you know, if this was just some regular, you know, run-of-the-mill doc that you just go, these are supposed to be the best. These are supposed to be experts. So you hold them to an expert standard, and we're holding them to that standard, and I do not understand how you miss it. Yeah, they, they, they completely missed something, but the Browns had an announcement uh, that it was a displaced fracture um, and when it's fractured and it's displaced, it, it has to, it, it ends, it's the end of a bone that has to come out of the 
alignment in such cases, the broken bone needs to be yeah. set back into alignment in order for it to heal properly. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> whatever it means, they didn't catch it early enough, in my opinion, to give him that information so that he does not go out there and continue to injure it. Okay, just for the record and just to be totally fair, it's possible that the first injury to the shoulder was a little different injury than this one. I guess it's remotely possible that he actually fractured yes, his is. shoulder during this Sunday's right. game at Baltimore, I but I doubt but, it. But what happens, Skip, what happens in, in these situations, yeah. though, yeah. is when you have something wrong in a shoulder or leg or whatever, it leads to something else, which sure. is to your point. Maybe yeah. it's a different injury, but if I'm a doctor and I can see that this could potentially lead to something else, I got to give you that information. Why would a player be cleared and then say, well, I can't play, and then have a head coach come out and be like, uh, well, yeah. we cleared don't, him, don't, they yeah, cleared him cleared. to play, yeah, but he decided cleared. on his own not to yeah. play. It's throwing under bus, and we did that topic the day it happened, and I know all three of us were adamant about, you can't do that to that quarterback because he has – a track record of playing hurt. And Stefanski acknowledged that, but it's still, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth because he's basically saying, don't, don't blame me, he won't go. And right. Then, yeah. and, but, but I need to see the x-rays from, from the initial. I need to see the x-rays because, <laughs> you see, show me the x-rays okay, from week Dr. three. Four, I, look, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but, but clearly maybe they're maybe they not doctors either. Yeah. Because if, if his agent, David Mulligetta, um, who I'm, I'm good friends with, and I'm going to text him after the show yeah. and see what, what information I can get. Because if they, after he complains, hey, I'm sitting this one out, you reevaluate it. You, you say, hey, well, maybe we're not seeing something. You do every test, CT scan, I, I mean, CAT scan, whatever, X-ray, MRI, you do everything you can because you need to find the problem. This is an NFL quarterback who's really tough. So if he's saying I can't go, something's wrong. We need to do everything we can to find it. Yep. And if they look at that X-ray from week three, week four, mm -hmm. and it has a fracture in it, and they didn't acknowledge it, yep. Skip. Yep, I got it. it. it, it, it it's extremely courageous of him to be willing to take shots to stay on the football field not knowing the long-term effects of his potential injury skip, mm. but he says, hey, I want to do this for my team yeah. because I know the importance of what we have in this season and we have an opportunity and a chance to maybe make some noise. I want to figure out how to stay on the field. That, that you know, because when you take shots, man, and, 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 and they're hitting certain ligaments with, yeah. with needles and things of that nature, it's just not as simple as, Okay, they're going to put it in. They can make mistakes. They can induce more than what you need. I mean, it's just a lot. But for him to be able to want to do that, yeah. you gotta, you got to applaud that. I don't care how much money he's making. Yeah. I don't care about none of that. The fact that he wants to do it for his team or he wanted to do it for his team because the season is not lost says a lot. Yeah, uh, Tom Pellicero reported that Deshaun wanted to be shot up and play through the injuries, and he sought multiple medical opinions. But doctors were clear if he got hit again in the same spot, the shoulder could fall apart, as we've been talking about. 
Okay, I, I don't know. But it, now, one other point of order here. I, I don't know if it's something in the water in Cleveland because Baker Mayfield, the previous Cleveland quarterback, went through the same thing except it was the other, the non-throwing shoulder, and it still restricts your ability to follow through, but it's not as bad as your throwing shoulder. Baker, ironically, against Deshaun's Houston Texans in week two, the second game of the year in Baker's final year in Cleveland, he not only tore the labrum in his left shoulder, but it also f- got fractured. So he had double jeopardy, and he and Stefanski were going back and forth. But Baker sucked it up and played through, and you, you could argue he, he he's trying to help the team and actually hurt the team because he had a pretty miserable year, as did they. Are you, are yeah. you suggesting, Skip, that potentially – the history of Cleveland's medical staff way back when, oh, no. even when they had all the staff well, infections we, going on in no, the locker room. Did that. It's that's maybe something issue. going on. In that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going on historically with Cleveland's medical staff. Yeah. Maybe it's a different staff now, but for some reason, like you said, that organization, the know. water, whatever it is, we've know. always had conversations about medical in Cleveland. Okay. Up next, speaking of falling apart, Unfortunately, the Clippers did down the stretch again last night. We debate next. When it comes to travel, we all know that feeling of wanting to escape to our happy place, whether it's hitting the beach, the ski slopes, or just kicking it with your crew in a tropical paradise. And Priceline wants you to get there and be very happy with a happy price. So you never have to miss a trip. Let me tell you, Priceline has got your back to make it all happen. My happy place is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Picture this, crystal clear waters, golden sands, and sun shining down on you like it's your personal spotlight. That's right, Cabo is my ultimate happy place. And you know what makes it even better? Priceline's VIP family feature. You heard it from me, that's right. VIP treatment for you and your squad. Imagine being with your crew, soaking up the sun and living your best life. And while scoring deals up to five times faster, it's like scoring a game-winning touchdown on vacation. Now, who am I taking with me to Cabo, to that epic trip, that adventure? My boys, my ride or dies, my crew, ones who've been there through thick and thin from the beginning to the end. I'm not taking any kids, no kids, just me and the boys living it up. So what are you waiting for? Download the Priceline app today and save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your favorite happy price with Priceline. Make some memories that'll last a lifetime. Cabo ain't ready for me or us, but we're ready for Cabo. Thanks to Priceline, the real MVP of travel. Now for my favorite moment in the show, your turn. You can reach us with your thoughts, pro or con, at hashtag Undisputed Life. Here we go. First tweet. This is Draymond. Well, that's how it will be perceived by many people, right? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, we don't want him. We we certainly didn't want him doing that. Right. No, we, we don't. But the commissioner will view it sort of like that, which is why Draymond almost certainly will be suspended. Second tweet is from D. Jack. How Clay Thompson looked after grabbing a handful of jersey and having a chance to throw an opponent to the ground. <laughs> There's some truth to that, that. I'm sure he was invigorated by tough guy energy because I've never seen that happen with Clay. Yeah, Clay got a little bit of that in he got a little in. Yeah. 
Finally, from Funk, this is uh, Michael Jordan after punching his teammates in Skip's eyes. <laughs> okay, but now you have, you have now introduced my two all-time favorite athletes in Jordan and Ali. When I was a little kid, Ali was my guy all the way up. May he rest in peace. All right, here we go with Clippers. Last night, big national TV game. Nuggets nearly blew a comfortable lead but did hold on to win by three after taking over in the fourth quarter. And now the Clippers are 0-5 with James Harden. So, Keyshawn, you did have the Clippers winning the game last night, which was almost a good call. They did play their best game since Harden joined them. But what was your biggest takeaway? Well, you make it sound like I'm you, Skip, talking about the Cowboys did everything right except win. Talk about <laughs> almost a good call. Touché. Yeah, it, it, it was almost a good call. But my biggest takeaway is – well, there's two takeaways. James Harden played phenomenal to me, did everything that you wanted him to do. I understand they're 0-5 with him in the lineup. But yeah. Paul George, 4 of 11 from downtown, and particularly in the fourth quarter, he could not close things out the way that he needed to. I don't understand where his three-point shooting percentage is gone, especially in closeout situations. Yeah. They had an opportunity to go up and win that game. Then when I look at the Zubox situation, it was really weird to me why he got the – well, he got the fouls. But why would he come back in with 13 seconds to go opposed to bringing him in in the, let's say, six minutes to go in the game or so to slow down to slow down the Joker because Joker had his way in the paint. He did. They, they could not stop him. Mm -hmm. You put P.J. Tucker, small. Mm -hmm. You put Paul George, small. You put Kawhi Leonard, small. The best thing you could do is maybe – Doubling, double down on him by having Zubats and then closing on him with another guy because two small guys, all he was doing was basically playing little league basketball as an adult, doing one of these numbers and True. going up to the rim. So when I looked at that, I was like, is Ty Lue missing something? No. Or is he ticked off at Z that he doesn't want to put him back in the game, Skip? Dijon, I didn't understand it's, it's that. It's called juggling superstar egos. You got too many to juggle. The easiest ego to stay on the bench is it's Big Z, right? <laughs> He's the only one who's not going to complain about it. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but but if you take but if you take him I got off, you. yeah, you're right. Yeah, and you're so right. I no, didn't understand. I didn't I didn't understand that. And in, in Paul George's situation, in the end, though, is it was it was a little bit uh, head scratching because he was taking some awful shots. Well, it, he, he he really was taking awful shots. I'd say. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, I think they found a weakness um, when Zubak was in the game. They would, they, would, they would screen and roll. They'd pick and roll. They'd screen him off of him, end up with a small on him anyway, and then Zubak's guarding a guard and trying to close True. in the paint and leaving somebody wide open. So that was a weakness that Ty Lue saw was being exploited. That's why he brought, brought Zubak out of the game yeah. and put P.J. Tucker in, a better perimeter defender potentially yeah. when they have these pick and roll situations so they could switch everything and feel good about it. But at the end of the day, they were going to take advantage of it. This was one of the weaknesses. Weaknesses I thought this team would have when they first acquired James Harden is that they weren't going to be a big enough team to deal with Jokic and, and uh, Porter Jr. and uh, this team, Caldwell Pope, who's a really tall, they're, they're a lengthy team. Um, Gordon had a really good game. He, he had a really, really good game. Yep. They just had too much size for the Clippers down the stretch. But the Clippers were in the game. It was a dogfight. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you look at that, that missed layup by James Harden, that would have tied the game. And it looked like a good drive. He blew by. 
He just missed a layup. He barely missed it. Um, so, you know, this team is coming together. They're finding some things that work. We're sitting here criticizing and being hypercritical of it, but they were in the game. This wasn't a blowout. This was a game that they were in all the way to the waning seconds of the game. A missed shot, the three-pointer that Paul George shot that got stuck in the rim. That was a potential game-tying shot. It was. Uh, so you, you, I'm not going to sit here and, and kill them. They're, they're six games into this. Ty Lue said, give them 10, and I'll give them 10. Mm. All right. To both of your points, the key stat from last night was points in the paint. Would you believe yes. the home team had 58 points in the paint to 38 for the Clippers? 58 to 38 points in the paint. Every time I looked up, somebody else was dunking because it was dunk city in Denver last night. And then to your other point, Paul George has shot the ball miserably since James joined. But last night, for whatever reason, he was feeling real good about his jumper. And much of the night, it was falling. And it was mostly on his shoulders that they actually took a lead of up seven with six minutes left. They're up seven, mostly because of Paul George, who wound up taking nine more shots than any other Clipper. Well, that's... That's what's wrong with their offense. There's no ball movement. It's just your turn, my turn, your turn. Well, tonight it's Paul. Let's just let, let him go. And it's so much ISO ball. Okay, just flip it over to Paul over on the wing and just let him dribble, 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 dribble. This team will lead the league in dribbles, mm -hmm. and it will be at the bottom of the league in ball movement and passes per possession because they don't pass the ball much at all. It's just whoever comes up with the first pass is probably going to work for a shot and shoot it. So Paul took 26 shots and he made 13, which is pretty good. But to Keyshawn's point, when you really needed it, it was not there. And then it was very interesting to me in the fourth quarter. So you go up seven with six minutes left. And now you got to make a choice, Ty Lu, Who's going to close for you? And I love this choice. He pulled Russ out of the game. And Russ, trust me on this, he will not love this. Even as we speak, he may be somewhere grousing about this because he got yanked when he was playing pretty well. And so was James, to mm -hmm. Keyshawn's point. James was having a pretty good game. Seven of 15, he was three of eight from three, had 21 points. So he says, no, I want James Harden to close this game for me. So James yeah. played the last five, six minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. And what happened over that stretch? Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Denver goes on a 17 to five run mm. and James in the fourth quarter, Richard mentioned the one shot that he missed the driving layup. And I thought he had, I, he got there and he just left it a little yeah. short off the edge of the rim. It looked like I thought he was going to go in for a second. It just barely fell off the front of the rim. The point is that was the only shot James took in the fourth quarter, which was weird to me because I thought he had kind of a hot hand too, mm -hmm. that he and Paul could kind of share the load down the stretch and close this one out. But they go on a 17 to five run. And then it looked like all of a sudden Denver was going to go up seven because Reggie Jackson, who played a terrific game, ex Clipper, ex Thunder, he's going to the free throw line just to ice the game with 31 seconds left. And he, I think we have these, he, he just clanks them both. And they were brick, man. They were, this guy can shoot it. And that's long, like way long, complete back iron. And then this one is a big clanker. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait, the door opened. Then Joker, who's he's been wont to do this late in games, he turned it over. Kawhi stole it from him. Paul George gets a just a bunny freebie layup, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wait a second, the Clippers got a real shot here. That's the here's Joker's 
bad pass <clears throat> that Kawhi stole. And all of a sudden, here we go. I thought that was a travel, but. Okay. You know, that's just, but they don't call that. They, call no, they never call that. No, okay. they so, don't call so that. Not at all. Not at all. Let's go to the last shot because this is Paul George saying, I, this is my night. And KCP just got up into him. And this is, it's a hard shot, and I, I think it's a bad shot. I, I mean, you can do a it's little a bad, better than that. It's a total here bad. It's a bad shot. shot. That's why I said. I mean, His shot argue, selection late was horrible. It was horrible. Well, they tried to run a play for Kawhi. They switched it. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. switched on to Kawhi. They closed it off, so he had to go iso ball. So Ty Lue drew up the play for Kawhi. You can watch their screening. You, know you can watch Zubak screening. I, I, I got it, but I don't think Paul ever had any notion of passing the basketball. I think he thought, it's my night. I got a hot hand. I'm going to shoot this basketball. That's how they play offense. It's whoever's turn it is. It was his turn. And he jacks it up and wedges it, which is hard to do. It's about a million-to-one shot that you would wedgie a three-point shot from that distance. So now it's a jump ball, and you lose the tip, and Reggie Jackson gets it, and it's game over. But to, to Keyshawn's yeah, point— I think he, Yeah, I think, Skip, yeah. right there, he was looking to pass it on the right side, but, but Kawhi couldn't get to the top. Yeah. And when he couldn't get to the top, it forced him to have to take the shot. Right there, he's looking to pass it. Yeah. But Kawhi didn't get there fast enough, so he was the seconds was coming off the clock, so he had to take the shot. It just was a bad, it was a bad shot, bad angle yeah. based on the seconds going down and Kawhi not being able to get to the top. Yeah, yeah they, they they ran a good defensive set. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. passed it off and picked up Kawhi. That closed off the lane for the pass, the play they were looking to run, so he had to go find yeah. a shot for himself, which is fine. I think Ty Lue is still experimenting with the lineup, still trying to figure out what works. But to your point, Skip, Russ, you can only take it for so long. A person, he is being very unselfish. He's being a great teammate. Yep. And so is James, so is Kawhi, so is yep. Paul. But if you continue to lose – and a guy is sitting on the bench feeling like he can help, he's going to get frustrated. I would get frustrated if I feel like, hey, I would say. we're losing, yeah. and I feel like I could help our team win ball games. I'm going to get frustrated. Now, if they're yeah, winning this ball is games. A different, this I, is a I, different type of losing, though. I 100% I'm, losing because y'all are just bad. They're no, trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying they are figuring out. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if it continues, though, this is six losses consecutively. So if they continue to lose, human nature still kicks in, Keyshawn. These are competitors. So I understand they're not losing, getting blown out or getting blown away, and it's just awful basketball. That's not what's happening. James didn't play awful down the stretch, so there's really not an argument there. But – as a competitor, as a top-notch player, like Russell Westbrook has been throughout his career, any sitting on the bench while his team isn't winning ball games, yep. it grow. You will grow frustrated. I would grow frustrated any, anyway, even if I'm like, hey, that guy's yeah, playing pretty this, good. But this isn't. But this is the thing. It's not going to continue. They're not going to all of a sudden be 0 15. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I, 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 I mean, I, they they were so close last night. Eventually. It's going to pop, and then they're going to start to win games. And I, and when Skip said this a couple of minutes ago about Westbrook coming out off the floor with six minutes to go, one of the first things I did was I looked at his body language because I was like, "Oh, Russ going to be mad." And I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh, he cool with it. He ain't tripping. He, you know, dapping everybody up. Right. He he didn't walk off with his head down. Nothing like that. To me, that tells me." Okay, he's buying in to the situation at hand. He's but not they into this. Lost. They lost. Now we'll yeah, see how Russ I understand reacts. they lost. Yeah, yeah no, I understand it, they lost. Yeah. Yeah, but but 
It's a work in progress. No man. question. It's, no it's, question. It's, it's, it, it, this is not. This is not all of a sudden. Forty-nine games into the season, no, and this is happening. He's a grown man. He's grown. He's understanding. Hey, they're still working through this rotation. They're still figuring things out. This may not be how it ends up in January, February, April playoff time, or any of that. I, I, I'm not saying any of that, Key. What I'm saying is, if they bench him and continue to bench him in games in which they lose. You, any human being would grow frustrated, and they have lost six straight. So uh, nobody could have foreseen them losing six straight with the amount of talent that they have on this team. And so I can't, I can't assume they're going to lose 15 straight, and I never would assume they're going to lose 15 straight. That would yeah. be ridiculous. Just, Keyshawn, remember, Russ had to sit over there because he, he left when they were up seven, and he had to watch them lose the lead and go down almost seven because if Reggie Jackson makes the two free throws, Denver's up seven. So Russ had to sit over there and think, wait a second, why am I over here? And I got to give him one big compliment. Russ played his tail off on the defensive end last night. He was working hard on entry passes, just getting up and knocking them away. He he fought his tail off. I I was impressed with that part. You you know, Skip, in all this, I really don't give a damn. I'm just talking about the Clippers because I have to. As far as I'm concerned, they can lose every damn game the rest of the season because they're not the Lakers, and I can't stand the Clippers. But I'm forced to have to talk about them. I I actually think you have a little bit of closet Clipper fan in you just because they are an L.A. team, and you are now intrigued. You can't take your eyes off them because they got four future Hall of Famers. Look, I was in I was in high school. I was I'm a fan of of James and and Russ because I I was in I was in school in LA at a time where where uh, James was at Artesia, Russ was at uh, Lou Zinger, uh, DeMar DeRozan was at Compton High, Aaron Afala was at Centennial. This was LA basketball was was crazy at that time, Mm -hmm. and these are my peers. So I'm a fan watching them at all times, but individually. yeah, individually, I'm a fan of all of them. Collectively, man, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I, I hope they lose. Mm. I hope they lose. All right. Well, Keyshawn, up next, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about the only team that matters in Los Angeles, according to you, because we need to ask the question of just how impressive were LeBron's Lakers last night? Just how impressive? Championship. Yeah, here we go. No mercy. The Lakers climbed to six and five last night here in L.A. by crushing Memphis by 27 points. Keyshawn Johnson, you and Richard, both lifelong Laker fans from L.A. Are your Lakers back on track? No, we're not. Look, man, unlike unlike you and Michael, we don't take pride in beating teams under 500. We just don't gloat over that like y'all. It's a win. Nobody in our starting unit played over 30 minutes. It's a W for us. In the end, it's good to get a W because we want to pile up as many wins as possible. But it's not this, oh, we're right back on track. We're rolling now. No, we still got some building to do. It was good to see that they were able to get a win and take care of businesses against a team that's not very good right now without John Morant. That, mm. That's the way that I look at it. I'm not about to jump up and down. You're not going to see me celebrating and running around as if it's a ticker tape parade that's getting ready to go on in a couple months. No, it's, that's not the case. I'm glad that they played the way they played. I'm glad they did what they did. But I also look at the, the reality of it. It was the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Look. 
Right. It was the Memphis, much like I try to tell them, Richard, it was the Giants. It was the Patriots. Be honest with yourself and you'll be okay. And that's what I have to be is I have to be honest with myself. This was not a win over Denver. This was not a win over Phoenix or Golden State or Boston or the 76ers. This was a win over the Grizzlies. Mm. Hey, look, Key, Key, I I understand what you're saying. And we got 17 banners hanging. We got to, you know, this is a win we expected to win. But I've been watching the Lakers for a very, very long time, my whole life. Eldon Campbell, Vladi Divac, Nick Van Exel. The last couple years, we the gimme games weren't gimmies. No. And and they haven't been gimmies. So I was very excited. Not just not for the just win and, and how convincing it was, but because the weakness of our team was the strength yesterday. We shot better from three than we did from two. Yep. 62% from three on 35 shots. An NBA record. You telling me the team coming into this game with one of the lowest three-pointers made percentages in the league comes in and breaks a record for threes and sets the franchise record, ties the franchise record for three-pointers made. Um, Rui Hachimura, three for three. Uh, uh, Austin Reeves, four four for four. four. I mean, you talked about the much maligned. We talked about Cam Reddish was three for five. Cam Reddish in that corner is deadly now. Ever since he missed that one, the game winner where LeBron dished it out to him, made the right play, and he missed, he has been lights out from three-point three-point land. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited because LeBron didn't have to play heavy minutes, like Skip was saying early in the season when he was averaging 38 minutes a game. We got to rest him for majority of that second half because we got a back-to-back tonight versus a very good Kings team. Um, and, and so I'd love to see our team improve. We played better. Jackson Hayes had a really solid game. The complimentary pieces played well yesterday, and that's what we need to see more of. Mm. Richard, I think Keyshawn was celebrating last night behind closed doors. He just doesn't <laughs> want to admit it publicly. Am I right? What am, what am I celebrating? I understand what Richard is saying. Yes, they've lost to bad teams in the past, but they are a much better team this year. In the take care of business against the Grizzlies, I don't need to go down a long laundry list. Yeah, 62% from three. That's great. I hate to bring up the Dallas Cowboys, but I have to in this situation. You're obsessed with They them. threw the ball all over the lot against the New York Giants. Are they going to do that against the Eagles and score touchdowns? Are they, they going to do that against they the Niners? In the fourth quarter. That, that's, are they going to do that against Detroit? That's the way that I look at things. I, I look at it and say, hey, are the Lakers going to hit 62% against the Kings? Are, they gonna, are people going to lag off on them and allow them to have shoot-around to, tonight? Or they going to have shoot around tonight. And if that's the case, and they hit 62% or 60% or 55%, now I can get excited. But I can't get excited, manufacture fake excitement against the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm. I just can't do it. So, Keyshawn, help me out. Because this was just the quote-unquote Giants, as in Memphis, because it wasn't Boston and it wasn't Phoenix and it wasn't Golden State. How do you explain LeBron's reaction after he made a second early three? If we could see this, he made a second three, and he he looked pretty excited about it to me. I was actually watching the Clippers a little more carefully, but he makes that, and and he's backpedaling. He's going crazy. He, he, He... Look at this. He's doing the because the dude on the sideline was doing the dude on the sideline. But the the dude on the court was talking smack all game long. The dude on the court was talking, but the guy on the court was talking smack to him. So he just let me know. Uh, That's how I explain it. 
Okay, but because when he did it, I'm like, LeBron, save it for somebody who matters. This team's two and nine. No, no, he was talking. He was talking to the fans. He wasn't talking to the team. Yeah, talking to the fans. Look, Skip, look, nice try, buddy. I mean, looked like he was showboating to me, Keisha. I'm excited. Know. I'm excited as a Laker Stop. fan. I don't know about y'all. D'Lo went six of eight from three. That, that worked. Played a really good game. Didn't have to play heavy minutes. He played. I think he might have played. Him and Austin Reeves might have played the most minutes, 27 and 29. Yep. But Austin Reeves is coming into his own. He's starting to look like he did in the playoffs. Everybody said he got the money and he, he folded up and he mailed it in. He was 16, 12, and 7. And so that's where I find solace. We have not been a great three-point shooting team regardless of who's out there. Shoot, I don't know if we was great in shoot-arounds at some days because it didn't matter if we were wide open or not. So I find Confidence that LeBron was our fourth leading scorer in this game, played 23 minutes, and we won by 27 mm. because the rest of the guys stepped up and played well. Mm. So, Richard, well, are the you great concerned? thing about Austin go, go Reeves, ahead, though, yeah. is Austin Reeves, Skip, is in a position that he belongs in, which is coming off the bench. He belongs in that spot. He Because we, as the Lakers, in my opinion, gave him too much too fast. And then he goes and he plays in the summer. He's probably better coming off the bench because ever since he's been coming off the bench, his game has changed. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, they, they started starting him in the playoffs last year, and it started to work. He, he measured up to it, right? That's why they gave him yeah, all but that there's a but there's a different, but there's a different book out on him now than it was last playoffs. Yeah, well, which is, yeah go ahead. Well, you, you, you talk about you need a defensive guy next to D'Angelo Russell. And so when you got two offensive guards, you know, who aren't going to, you know, not that they're terrible on defense, but they're not stoppers. So when, when you need somebody stopped, you need somebody. Cam Reddish is the guy you're going to use to, hey, get in the corner, make threes, play a three and D wing who's going to play defense on the opposing team's best guard yeah. or best wing. And that's what he's been. And I like that. That guy is actually Jared Vanderbilt, who still has not been able to play yet for your Lakers with some kind of foot injury. All right, so, Richard, are you worried about fool's gold from three because you came into this game, you've been worst in the whole league for much of the year. You were barely second worst in three-point shooting coming into this game to Charlotte, just a tick above Charlotte. And all of a sudden, you go crazy, as you just detailed, 22 of 35, 63%. <laughs> are you sure that's just not an aberration one night? Oh, it, it, it could easily be, Skip. Yeah. But I'll take an aberration. I'll take us not being terrible for a night because that's good. that percentage is going to increase. But what I like about this game the most, Skip, is that it gives the Lakers the confidence that when we have a team that is bad, we beat them bad. We are better than this team. We should show we are better than this team. And that's what we did. Hey, when you got open shots, knock down open shots. And this is without, this is, like you said, without Jared Vanderbilt. Yep. Um, and we are still playing th those guys that we need to step up. Max Christie hit the last three-pointer of the game. Did. They stepped up in a big way, and they played really good minutes. So this is about building confidence and building championship winning habits. Even if it's against a bad team, you're building good habits. Yep. I want to see these habits against Sacramento tonight. And remember, in that same building, did you watch Memphis lose in by 27 last night? They just beat the Clippers. They beat the Clippers in that same building, the same team. No John Morant. They beat him. I don't know how that happened. but I don't, right. I don't know. That's kind of crazy. Okay. Up next, we got to talk Coach Prime. Dion says he is flat out committed to staying at Colorado. We react next. No mercy. No mercy. 
Our man Michael Irvin, one of Dion's closest friends, brought up the possibility on Monday's Undisputed of Dion to Texas A&M. Dion was asked yesterday about the A&M possibility and said of any other job speculation, I don't hear that. Here's what Dion said he tells recruits and their parents. <laughs> I tell them what I told them when they came. I'm here. I'm here. I, I tell her my mother's here, my sister's here, and my dog is here, my daughter's here, both the, three of my sons are here. My other daughter comes at, during every home game. We're here. I get mail here. Claim taxes here. Pay taxes here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I don't hear that. I don't, I, don't, I don't hear that. Maybe our recruiting staff hears it, but I, I don't hear it. I'm too honest, not, you know, with parents, and I'm... Don't tell him the truth. I love Dion. Keyshawn, what do you make of Dion's response? I mean, I, I like everything. I don't necessarily like. I don't hear it. Maybe he, maybe he, maybe he doesn't pay attention to what he hears. Maybe that's it. Because clearly, you the hottest thing going. So yeah. you got to hear it. I mean, you can ignore it. It's just hard for me to think that his kids, his 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 family's not like, oh, pops, uh, you know, AM, we hear an AM. You know, you you hear some rumblings. He's just probably not paying attention to it. If he loves Colorado and he feels a certain way about Colorado, it is important, as he said, he's everybody to move to Colorado. So to keep moving every other year to a different state, that's a lot on your family. Both me and Richard and you too, to a degree, skip knows about moving around because you don't work at every damn outlet that there is to work at. And me and That's Richard done played for multiple teams. Yeah. So, no, it's very true. I could, I got a whole list of all the places you work. But you, you move around, you don't want to put that type of pressure on your family. So to that degree, yeah, I understand exactly what, what Coach is saying. But what I will say, as we always talk about, Skip, sometimes you, you do listen, though, right? And they get the calling, and they get the calling, and they get to bothering you. Because if they really want you, and you are their guy that they want, mm. they will figure a way to pry, how to pry you away from your existing job. Yep. It's not like it's not like the contracts that we may be under or the NFL contracts. It's not like that. It's a certain buyout, and Dion's not making forty million dollars a year, so his buyout is not going to be crazy that the people in A&M can absorb the buyout. It's about, is he willing to even have the opportunity, give you the opportunity to listen? Is he willing to? Because once he listens, it's hard for them to walk out of that room without that catch. That's just my opinion. I believe he wants to stay in Colorado, but I just know, man, when when coaches are listening to certain things and promises are being made and, and you can change assistant coaches' lives because now all of a sudden your assistant coach goes from making X amount of money to this amount of money. And then, you know, you got your kids there. But is it a situation where maybe he gets a waiver from the NC2A to move his kids? I, I, I don't know. It's just hard for me to say that he won't listen 
to the opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to listen to Prime because Prime is, like he said, an honest dude and an honest guy. And he's going to be honest about this. He's not going to listen. And he's, he's a guy who doesn't really pay. He's not, he's not as worldly as people really give him credit for. I, the first time Prime left the United States and went to a foreign but country, Richard, but Richard, I was there. Just because you the listen don't mean... No, you're not going to listen. Though, just you, but just because you listen don't mean you're not being honest. It, it's just, if he's saying it's, he's it's, not it's, listening, it's, it I'm, I'm, I'm going to say he's not listening. If he's saying I don't hear it, I, I'm going to say. So if you're saying he's listening when he's saying he's you, not listening, you're saying he lies. How could you not hear it? It's all over the country. How could you it, not it, hear it? There's name? a lot of things people don't hear. You Just because it's in your lens and it's in your prayer, prayer view, it doesn't mean it's in everybody else's. I think that Dion I, I is. Love, Prime is my man, too. I love Prime like a brother. Right. But there's no way you're going to tell me. That the volume is at 10 and you don't hear it? I'm going to tell you that because he just told me that. I'm going to speak what he spoke. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to speak for him and, and, and put words in his mouth or put things in his life that he says aren't there. I'm going to say his sons are there. He doesn't want his sons to go to the National Football League yet. He's promised his sons we're going to make it to a national title, us, together. Me, us, we going to a national title game and we doing it at Colorado. So why would I listen to anything else that's not that? I'm going to put all my energy into getting the best players and the best things so that I can give my sons what I promised them when they were young kids. This has been a dream of these guys for a long time. I'm not sure. No, I'm not, say I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to abandon his kids. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you if, look, when teams come calling these coaches, man, and they, these organizations call these coaches, they're relentless on getting them on the phone so to try to persuade them no matter what the circumstances is. Shiloh along with Shadur, you look up, man, and, and, and they'll make it happen to the point. Remember, there's a portal and there's transfer rules. Just like those kids left to go to Colorado, they can leave Colorado to go somewhere else at some point in time if they choose to do so. That's all I'm saying. Mm. I'm not going to be oblivious and think that the – AM people that may try to get the prime will not try their hardest to get one of the hottest coaches that knows what he's doing that can turn his program around and give them that notoriety that they so, so desperately are seeking in the SEC conference. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Okay, Keyshawn, quick point of order about what you said about me. Yes, when I was in the newspaper business, I moved a number of times. And every <laughs> single time I moved, I made more money. Okay, Not excuse one time was I ever fired any Talk about it. I made more money. Yeah. In the last 20 I years. I never said you was fired. last 20 years, I worked at two <laughs> networks, ESPN and FS1, and I moved and I made more money. Talk hey, about hey, it, I'm just telling you. Okay, so to your point about... Prime, I'm with Richard about right now in his heart of hearts, he is committed body and soul to Colorado. I, be I yeah. believe that too. Okay. But I know Let how go. it goes okay. when people call. Okay. At some point, somebody might call and make that basic offer you just cannot refuse. And it will feel right, but it's not right right, right now. now. Texas A&M is yeah. wrong place, wrong time for Deion Sanders because I that still believe true. this. Having been there with you guys and, and been at Colorado, having had a couple of little side conversations with Dion, I truly believe he thinks it's like Michael Irvin says, it's heaven, man. It is 
beautiful. It is breathtaking. It has a strong fan base. They've sold out every game for a team that's going to go four and eight or whatever they're going to finish. And yet the point is they got it going straight north as fast as you can go. They're going to be bigger than the Denver Broncos at some point because if they're not already. Broncos are starting to show some signs of life. But the point is, I think he can win national championships with an S on it, plural, at Colorado. Yes, I yes. believe he can do that. Yes. And again, yes. it feels like his kids all love it there. It feels like his mom really loves it there. Remember, he's got a yeah. daughter who's playing basketball at Colorado. So, so you, got, you got three kids playing sports at Colorado, and the two of them could go to the NFL now, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to come back, and they're going to be really good next year. So right here, yeah. right now, everything he said, remember, he's got to preserve his recruiting. You, you, right. can't, you can't say, yeah, I'm, I'm open. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm all comers. Yeah, you can't but, say. But, but Skip, you, but Skip you, you are essentially, without using this word for word like me, you're saying the same thing yeah. I'm saying, yeah. which is at some point, somebody is going to come a calling right now today yeah. as we sit with two more games to go and potentially a bowl game and recruiting right now is not the right time. No. He has family in Colorado. He has all of those things. Yeah. But what I will say, when you start listening, and you know this, Richard, so don't even try to act like you don't know it. You know when you start listening to somebody telling you something, boy, you start really listening. And they go in there and they say, hey, He's you not going realize. to listen. Got, That's what I'm saying. So it's a top four. They they have the top four roster in all the college football. Why uh, Jimbo Fisher can't turn that roster around and win with it? I have no idea. Good but question. when you start listening to that and you start hearing certain things. You, you, it's only human nature, man. It, but it's not. He's not going to listen. That's what I'm saying. So that, what I'm saying is we're having a pointless okay. conversation about it because why would he listen when you yourself described to us the transfer portal rules? His kids cannot transfer again. He's telling got, you. Well, well, unless they got a waiver and it was I'm extreme always, circumstances. Right. They don't have extreme circumstances. You know, they would be leaving because their dad yeah, left. It, it, That's not a good enough reason yeah, to I get understand. a transfer waiver. So I, I, I understand. So that's what I'm, what I'm saying but, is but, he, he he has to make sure that he doesn't lose recruits or lose people he's having conversations with in the transfer yes. portal. So he's not uh, hearing yes. any of that. I'm focused on giving my kids the best chance they can to win a national championship here. And that means making sure that every recruit I'm talking to, every trans, potential transfer kid I'm talking to understands that I am concrete, 10 toes down, foot in the ground in Colorado, Absolutely. and I want you to be here with me. I'm not lying and, to these but, parents. But as he should, though, Richard, he should do that. And I applaud him for doing that. But I know, and I've been around enough coaches, and so are you, in families and all sorts of stuff. When they pick up that phone, even though they don't want to pick it up, he's not picking and they it up. hear somebody on the other end talking, you're listening. You're just listening. He's not picking it up. He's not picking up the phone. Okay. There's no reason for him to pick right. up the phone if he's if he's not leaving. You're saying he is is potentially it. if he's listening. He's saying I, I could I potentially it. leave my kids at Colorado and go to another opportunity. No, I'm saying no, that's not the that's man. That's not I know. what he's saying. That's not that's, that's not 100% what he's saying. That's 100 what he's saying if he's answering the phone. No, it's not. Man, they, they, these boosters and these athletic directors, as you know, Skip, are relentless. They go for what they want, regardless. I, if them dudes will sit in Colorado till he meets with, that's all I'm saying. So I'm not willing to just, hell, they'll go to the NC2A and figure out how to get their, his kids over there. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mm.
I, I think we're doing semantics here. Is, is it possible that A&M would get word to Dion through a third party that, hey, we're willing to give you $30 million a year? That, that could happen. But I, I think Dion's not listening to that. Uh, th- th- he, he would hear it, but he would not respond to it. He is. I, I just think our all all three of us agree he's going to be at Colorado next year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I do because as I said, as I said, I don't know yesterday, the day before, whatever it is, Colorado is moving into the Big Twelve Conference. They will have a different pool of money to give yep. to the assistant coaches as well as Dion if they need to. Yep. So that won't be a problem. He doesn't have, so. he doesn't need he doesn't need 19 million dollars a year. Colorado can push his number up to the point where he's not even looking at that. Plus his kids and stuff is there. But I'm not going to be oblivious to think that those people aren't going to try to poach him if if that's on their radar, we don't know if if Texas A&M is really on their ra- his radar. You know how? Come on, man. You 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 from the Texas area, from that part of the world? They ain't just jumping up and down to go get no Dion just because it's Dion. There's a lot of other factors that go in there. I mean, you know, with these boosters, these big money dudes. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta pay attention no, I, to that as well. You do. No, I I got it. But I I think we all agree. That what Dion said yesterday yes, was right. gospel. It was gospel. Yeah. All right. Up next, we have some new information on Deshaun's season ending injury. Stay tuned for that. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. We have some new information about the breaking news we spoke of earlier in the show. Deshaun Watson will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery to repair a fracture in his throwing shoulder. So, Richard, I know you have some new information you have gleaned from a source. Let us know what you know. So on top of the, the high ankle sprain that he had, he had a glenoid fracture, which is the fracture of the capsule that holds yep. your shoulder in place. Yep. He played... Uh, majority of the second quarter in the entire second half with nothing holding his shoulder in place. The Cleveland, so I got to apologize to the Cleveland Brown medical staff because I was very harsh because I thought this was something that compounded from week three, four, and five, yeah. etc. But it was, it easy was not. to jump to that conclusion. It, 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 that, yeah. I, I yeah. quickly jumped yeah. to that conclusion. Yeah. So I apologize to you guys because this was a brand new fracture that happened during this game, this past game, and he still was able to go 14 for 14 in the second half. They have no idea because at any time during the second half of that ball game, his shoulder could have fell out of place because there was nothing holding it in place anymore. So it was a very dangerous game, a very courageous game for Deshaun Watson to play with this injury because he had nothing holding his shoulder in place. So it's floating without restriction. Okay, but he did have a shoulder issue earlier in the season and We don't know this, but could that have led to possibly this? Maybe. But this was a new and different injury that happened some point first, second quarter at Baltimore on Sunday. 100%. It was a rotator cuff issue before, which can easily weaken the the muscles around and make you vulnerable and allow you to to deal with another, another injury. But Deshaun Watson was able to play through this injury the Cleveland medical staff has no idea. Nobody has any idea how he was able to play with this injury, but that's what uh, is forcing him to get the surgery. But I wonder if if the, the, the injury from the Titans game in week three, if because he didn't want to play, did he feel something in and around 
that socket at that point in time, but thought it was something from the old injury, but it was actually something from a new injury that they just didn't diagnose with or they just didn't see that he was feeling. That's why he said, you know what, I, I, I don't feel right right now. Mm. It, it could have easily been from the information I got. They x-rayed it multiple times. They did not find this specific injury or any 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 kind of fractures or any hairline, any issues around the bone until recently. So the, to, to my knowledge, the Cleveland Browns found this injury after the game in the second half. They did not x-ray him during the game. If they would have, they would have taken him out and set him out the rest of the game and he wouldn't have played in the second half. Okay, but I still think mm. the fact remains that Kevin Stefanski, as we all agree, was unfairly hard on Deshaun back in week three-ish time when, when he basically threw him under the bus and said, well, he's cleared medically. Don't, don't look at me. I... I don't know why he can't play. He just says he's not comfortable with playing. Then we read subsequent reports that there are players in the locker room who weren't that happy with Deshaun because they were wondering what's going on. Well, he was legitimately hurt. And I still blame Kevin Stefanski for dealing with his franchise quarterback that unfairly publicly because he was the one who, who volunteered it to the media. Yeah, because as a team, you usually protect your franchise yes. guy, both on and off the field. So you would expect your coach to say, we think it's best for Deshaun not to Absolutely. play until he has all his faculties with him and about him. And that's not what he said. He separated Deshaun from the team and said, hey, the team thinks he's fine. He doesn't think he's fine. And that's not something you ever do to your franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that. And I've had some, some really harsh coaches as you know and I've never yeah. I've never seen a coach of mine ever out a player because of an injury publicly now maybe on the sidebar they may have said this dude can go I don't know why he's not going but from a public standpoint I've never yeah. seen a coach stand up at the podium and disclose why somebody made a decision not to go that was that was very that was very odd very odd now back to Richard's point about the second half. After Deshaun started 6 of 20 in the first half, he was trying to escape in the red zone, and his former teammate, Jadevian Clowney, caught him from behind, and, and Deshaun clearly twisted his ankle because he had to limp to the sideline, and then he limped quickly to the locker room before the first half had even ended. To I don't know if he took an injection or if they had to retape or whatever happened, but he came out. And looked okay in the second. He, he was still a little ginger on it, but he goes 14 of 14 in the second half, 7 of 7 for 88 yards just in the fourth quarter alone as they come from two touchdowns down. And he is fighting an ankle injury, which they subsequently after the game announced that he would get an MRI for his ankle on Monday. We didn't know anything about the shoulder. And he's fighting a fractured shoulder. So he's got two things going in the second half. And you want to talk about all-time courageous and heroic? Whew, it, it doesn't get much better than that because his degree of difficulty, it's, it's hard enough to beat Baltimore in Baltimore. Right. It's hard enough to come from 14 down, even though the, recently the Ravens have had a little history of blowing leads. But at Baltimore in a division rivalry to come from 14 down to win the game, because you go seven of seven for 88 yards in the fourth quarter, you, hats off to and, Deshaun. And, and, and uh, the, the, so the other information I got is even without the shoulder, the high ankle sprain was likely going to sideline him yeah. three to five weeks. Um, 
you know, it, so it's unbelievable. Oh. He scrambled for 16 yards on the final drive into oh. Baltimore territory yeah. with both injuries. So you got to give Deshaun Watson a ton of credit for, for the toughness that he's shown, the courage, and I'm sure he got a lot of respect from his teammates, especially finding I'd out say. this information. Yeah. You got anything, Keyshawn? Oh, no. I'm, yeah, okay, good. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm good. All right. We're good, and we appreciate the information from Richard, and we congratulate Deshaun on on what he pulled off. You want to talk right. about winning over the locker room in the franchise? I think it's a done deal now. No, he soldiered through. Okay. We are about to critique the quote-unquote epic first matchup between Wimby and Chet last night in Oklahoma City. That's next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Victor Wimbanyama and Chet Holmgren played against each other for the first time last night after nuclear national buildup touting this as the beginning of an epic big man rivalry. Unfortunately, both shrank under that spotlight. Wimby was 4-15 for eight points, did have 14 rebounds, two blocks, while Chet scored nine points but had only seven rebounds and one block. Chet's team won by 36, in large part because Chet had Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Wimby did not. So, Keyshawn, what was your, so to speak, tallest takeaway from this first meeting? <laughs> <laughs> Skip, I'm just like, you know, you know how I am, man. I look at things, I'm like, they both young, they slim they're reapers, young. they got to gain some weight. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're young. So they're going to have, as I said a couple, a, a week ago, as far as Wimby goes, he's going to have an up and down, up and down nights. Then he went crazy the other night and, and he was like, oh, my God. But none of them, none of them double digit in the box scores. It's just like I, I understand the hype. I get it. They both bigs. They, they're amazing, but they're young and they're still learning the NBA game. Next, the next game out, they both might have 30. I mean, that's just what it is in the next game. They might have seven apiece. You just don't know, but I'm not in a panic mode about either right now. I think over time, as they get some mass, some muscle mass, and they gain some weight, and they understand what the NBA game is, then they'll be a different player. I know you want more because of Wimby and the Spurs. You right. want more. You want more. I do. But it's all about patience. It's about patience. It's and I'm willing to wait. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't even really want to talk about him, Skip, because I mean, I know we got to talk about him, but let's talk about Shai Gilchrist Alexander. I mean, who's having an incredible start to the season, averaging 29 points, I think 29, seven and six, and he's balling. That's why the game was out of hand, is because he's yeah. tough to deal with. Josh Giddy played a good game. I mean, Chet, Chet is going to probably be, be good eventually. Um, Wimby's probably going to be good eventually. But we 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 got to stop being hypercritical and looking for this microwave, being this microwave society where we're expecting everything instantly, instant success. If they don't have instant success, it's a failure. That's not true. Like, All right. If you guys don't want to talk about it, I will. Yeah, well, go ahead. I got a lot to say about this. <laughs> I get it. One's no, I didn't 19. Say I don't want to talk about okay, it. I'm just okay, telling you what it, it is. One is 19 years old, although he has played two years of professional basketball in France, and the other one is still very young, and this is his first year of actual NBA basketball in Chet. Okay. This thing turned out to be one big dud after a, a start that gave me some hope, if not hype, because right away, it looked like Wimby said, okay, watch this. 
And there's an early pass. I think we have the play. I think it's his first basket. And Chet tries to overplay it and maybe pick it off and misses. And Wimby goes behind the back. Oh, this, that's the first dunk. Uh, there's one over on the wing. I'm not sure we got this one, but it m- must be the second basket where Wimby actually goes behind, dribbles. He's seven foot four and he's eight feet long, and he went behind the back and swooped in and dunked it. He doesn't dunk with a lot of force just yet because he is Slim Reaper. I got that. But he called for the ball a couple times and scored a couple of easy, quick baskets. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a jump shot. This is with 6.14 left in the second quarter. And it's a thing of beauty because you will not see better form than this jump shot that this seven foot four, very young man has in his repertoire already. If we can see it from the, the, the far. Oh, we don't have that. OK, so it's a it's, you know, 15, 16 foot jump shot from the wing. And I'm like, whoo, that was really good. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Those were the last points that Wimby <laughs> scored the whole night. 6-14 left in the second quarter, and he makes a jump shot to give him a grand total of eight points. And I'm thinking, what, what happened? He even played eight minutes in the fourth quarter and did not scratch. What, what happened? Victor Wimbanyama never got to the free throw line last night. That's a crime. If you're that tall and that long and that superiorly skilled because we've never seen a package like this. You have to just go call for the basketball because they have no choice. Chet has no choice. He's going to have to foul you. You can argue Chet did foul him a couple times because he got physical with him and they just sort of let him play. But the point is, how can Victor go through a whole game against his new arch rival, this epic matchup, and and never get to the free throw line. I, I don't it, know. It, it comes down to yeah. KI, Skip. Yeah. Killer instinct. It does. I like, agree. There are yeah. dogs out there, there are Skip. There dogs in there. And that's why I want to talk about Shy yeah. Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Because you talk Shea about Gilders, a guy, yeah. Shay Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. It, killer. Oh, you want to talk about a killer. killer. A guy who is going to night. step on the, he going to have a foot on your neck and a yeah. foot on the gas and choke you out. When you are that way, then you get those things. Because you yeah. see the talent from Wimby. Yeah. Skip. You, all the talent, the length, the, the shot form, everything you talked beautiful. about is, it's uh, is beautiful. beautiful. It's just I mean, he can dunk from pretty much outside the, <laughs> outside the restricted area. So when you, when you see him go scoreless, you see him go without free throws, it's because of a lack of aggression, a lack of killer instinct, a lack of a guy who's motivated to go after and take over a game. And that's where I'm going to be concerned yeah. going forward because even when you got the matchup that, that's supposed to be all hyped up, you go after him. Okay, and then <clears throat> the other yeah, thing. I, I, go I'm ahead, going to concern yeah. myself with worrying about Killer Instinct at this age of 19 years old, learning how to play in the NBA. Greg Popovich has simply said we are going to bring him along at a certain okay, pace. I got it. Again, we don't want to force him to be something he's not ready to be yet. No, I understand I, he's seven foot whatever in an eight wing, eight foot wingspan, and then some that we feel like he's supposed to just get on the block and get fouled no matter what because you're bigger than everybody on the court, or at least taller than everybody on the court, he has to get there first. Mm. It's almost like you you look at a wide receiver that doesn't like to run slants. Well, it doesn't mean he won't eventually feel a certain way about running. He just may not want to run it now because he knows he's going to get hit. Mm. Give him time to get there. Because that guy's only played 10 games. you, You know and I know. 
Occasionally, you watch a kid play college football and you say, to use your term, K.I., you say, he's got dog in it. You know, you just see it. You can see it in college football and you know it's going to translate to the next level. Am I right? Right. Yeah, the guy just had 30 the other night. Was right. That yeah, that's enough? the problem. That's, that's the problem, the problem. Keyshawn. Yeah, he's, is learning, what he show- he's learning how to play. He's not in learning how to NBA. play. What, what, when he has 30 and you show flashes of what you've shown, and then you go into the next game and don't do the things that you did. Like, it's not like, oh, you showed flashes you, of doing you, something he, he, out of your mind. He's learning how to play in the NBA, you man. Played he's within, learning how to play. You played within yourself, and you had a great game. You made your shots. You found your spots. You found what worked for you. But then the next game, you do not do the things that worked for you in the previous game. That's yeah. not growth. That's it's a learning. It's a learning process, Richard. Keyshawn, he, he's Keyshawn. not going to be consistent every single night. He's Keyshawn. not. Keyshawn. He was a dud. He was a dud in New York a couple nights ago. Mm. And then all of a sudden he comes and leaves New York and he goes. I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it was something like 30. So it's, it, you, you cannot expect the consistency on a consistent basis from a kid who's learning with a coach at Greg Popovich who's bringing him along slowly. Mm. And yet, to the point of K.I. as in killer instinct, Keyshawn, I've seen it late in games. Right. I, I saw it in that second game where they had to play back-to-back home games at Phoenix home games. Remember the second game? Mm-hmm. He was sensational down the stretch. He said, give me the yes. ball and get out of my way. And I'm thinking yes. against Chet, because you want to sort of establish your dominance, just just call for the basketball. Post up or, or try to take him out. If he's guarding you, take him out a little bit. Put a move on him. Take him to the rack. Slam it on him. I, I don't know. I just didn't see much aggression at all last night. And it, it shocked me because even on the other end of the floor, Keyshawn, I'm looking at points in the paint. The Thunder had 60 points in the paint. That's a lot to 38 for San Antonio. Well, if they're scoring 60 in the paint, that means that Wimby is, is not bothering many shots in the paint, right. right? Where is he? I don't know. He just kind of drifts I, I, out I to the wing. But, but, but I understand all that, Skip. And it yeah. goes back to what I just said. It's a progress. Look, let his progress grow. Give him, let, let him grow. You guys want him to be an NBA All-Star in, in, no. in 10 games. Just, just play up to your size and your strengths. Just, just do what you can do. Nobody can stop that. I, I don't care who it is. Nobody you, can. You said, Anthony you said, Davis can't you said stop that. that. You, you just said, after Richard said he didn't have killer instinct, you just said you saw him with killer instinct yeah, against it's like, Phoenix. It's like just an like indictment, but it's an indictment because why but, wouldn't I see at least flashes of that last night? He, he was passive. But you for, may for see of flashes of it in the next game. Yeah, but, but, you but, might but see Keyshawn, it in the next game Keyshawn. and then none after that. Then again. It's chat. It's chat. This is the big buildup. This is going to be the epic big man rivalry till death do us part. No, it's not. We, 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 one we, of them play, and neither one of them played well. We, we do too much and as a society giving people credit before it's due. And so I, I agree with you to some degree, but I'm saying if he is going to be the guy, Key, and he has all these skills. He yeah. has all these. So you want yeah. me to just give him a pass for not playing well? You want me to just say, hey, he's young. When, when he plays yes. well, I, I give him credit. Yes. So give him credit without yes, criticism. Because, so only credit. Because the majority, the majority of young rookie athletes in professional sports is a growing period. Mm. Your first year, you just want to learn how to get to the stadium. Let alone, you just want to know how to get to the damn stadium. Then your second year, 
You want to show major leapfrog improvement. That third year, if you that guy, you want to knock it out the park like a home run. That's an all sports. So, 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 is, so, so we can't talk about him as a rookie. Either. So, so no point in talking about him as a rookie. So you can't criticize anything he's doing. That's, like that's, that's the not, dumbest thing I've heard. The, I'm not going to sit here the, and not criticize the guy because he's a rookie. He's shown flashes. Point. What is the I'm, point then? I'm not saying that you can't criticize him, uh, Richard. What I am saying simply is the way you and Skip are talking. As if this kid has not, and I think it's 10 games, I don't know exactly how many they play, but the amount of time that he's been on the floor, that he has not shown you anything no, we're not. to make you believe. You just. We're saying yes, right are. now, in this game, he had an opportunity to be consistent, to, to do the things. And I'm not asking him to, to, oh, make 23s or do something out of the ordinary. I'm saying. Be dominant. Be a force. If you're going, to, if you can't make a shot, if you your shot's not falling, then be the defensive force that you've been in the previous games. Hey, your shot's not falling. Defense again in every sport is effort and attitude. So you step up. You be the anchor to this defense, and you don't let your team get beat by forty. But again, they got outscored in the paint when they have a guy who's seven four. That's unbelievable. Yeah, because he's coming out of the paint. Next time around, he may stay in the paint. Then he may come out of the paint again. He has to find his rhythm and his consistency. This is what you fail. It seems like you guys are failing to realize. No, we're that not failing not to realize. That he is doing it just... on a consistent basis and is going to come eventually or else he won't be that good in the NBA. You want it to happen right now. I, I just want to see consistency somewhere. This is the NBA player. This is, this, this is not a guy who came out of high school. This is a guy who was playing professional, professionally in Europe, and Europe has good professional basketball. I mean, the U.S. didn't win the Olympics for a reason because there is professional basketball in other places in the world that plays at a high level. So I'm not going to sit there and give you that this kid came in so unprepared. Yeah. And, and Keyshawn, allow me to no, say. Nobody said he's hey, unprepared, Richard. Hey, That's Keyshawn. not what I, I never said he's unprepared. Okay. His coach simply said we're bringing him along slowly. All right, but last like, night. Why is that so hard to get? Okay, last night, Wimby's opponent was not a veteran Bill Russell or a veteran Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a veteran Wilt Chamberlain. It was another NBA baby. So, so you're, you're yes. head-to-head. So, so the degree of difficulty, it's a level, so to speak, playing field or level floor because you're up against Chet. It, it's Chet can't stop you. He he can try. I, I like Chet as a shot blocker because he's a he's a shrewd shot blocker. He's got a good second jump, and so I I give him that. And right now he's Chet's a little better three point shooter than Wimby, who's shooting twenty nine percent. Chet came in shooting fifty percent from three, but in the long run, Wimby is so much longer and slightly more skilled in every area than Chet is, that, that he's going to be a little, if not a lot better over time than Chet. And you would think in your first meeting with Chet that just as a competitor, you would say, okay, watch this, because you can't be intimidated by Chet Holmgren, right? I, I just, I, I don't get it. I'll, I'll throw one other thing at you. LeBron James, I watched his first game ever. He was 18 years of age at Sacramento, and he stepped right on the floor. And you want to talk about look like you belonged? You, you want to look like you, 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 you knew who you were right away? Mm-hmm. You, you, you announced your presence in the front. What did he score? I forget what it was, 23 or whatever it was. But, but he's, right away, he just looked like an NBA All-Star, right? right? No, right. I, I, I get that yeah. they're going to be, as I said, Skip. 
There are going to be players in professional sports, their rookie year, they're going to hit pay dirt. There's going to be a bunch of them. Throughout the history, it's been a bunch. I also watched Kobe Bryant as a rookie. Mm. Okay? I've also watched. So you you got to give people opportunity to develop within their surroundings and their circumstances in which they're dealt with. You say he let his team get run out the building. Well, Shea Gilgis Alexander is a pretty damn good basketball player. There was not one on that other end of the floor in San Antonio to duplicate that. So they're going to maybe get run out of the building in that situation. Next time they play him, Maybe he takes advantage of Chet, or maybe Chet takes advantage of him. Maybe. We have to wait and yep. see. I understand that, but I'm just not in a world where I'm willing to give him a, the utmost credit when he scores 37 points in a ball game and he plays dominant. And what was it, 37 and, and double-digit rebounds? Yeah. Like, really good game. Give him all the credit in the world. Rookie playing this well. And then turn around and say, well, he's still developing, and give him time. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm I'm the guy that says give I'm him not, credit. I'm not, you to, I'm not asking pl- you to be that guy, but I just know how it goes with young players in sports. You gonna have ups and downs and, until you hit your rhythm and you find it. And it's our job to be critical of that when and, and try to explain to the fans why this didn't happen and try to understand how he can be successful. You find your spots. You know the things you do well. You know the place spots on the floor where you can make your shot and find your shot. If you're saying Greg Popovich is bringing him along slowly, Greg Popovich didn't tell you to shoot four for 13. He didn't. He didn't tell you, like, he's not telling but, you, hey, but, we're bringing but, you but, along slowly, miss shots. Bring, like, but he is bringing, he is bringing him along for 15. by putting him in certain yeah. positions and drawing certain things up for him that he's doing. He's not just out there running rogue. He's actually listening to Pop. Whether you want to believe it or not, I, he's I, I coaching would, I would hope so, but I'm telling you, Pop isn't telling him to miss these shots. He's missing shots. No. He's not effective. He's not affecting the game in a positive way. He's not imposing his will on not. the game. No. All right, man. I, I, y'all to beat me up. I can't. I can't keep. <laughs> I can't right. with you, Richard. Y'all. Way to hang in, Keyshawn. We love you. Yeah, y'all, y'all, because yeah. y'all, you're just. Talking in circles. No, we're not talking. So we're just making point after point after point, as in the eight points that he scored, right? Right. You guys are right. thick skulls, man. Y'all don't listen. That's true. That's 100%. I, I played football for a living. That was a bad decision. There you go. All right. Up next, Young Money. Stay tuned. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. It is time for Young Money. Yellow Beezy, Alan Cubas, they join me and Keyshawn, and they, as you know, are two Lil Wayne protégés, buddies of mine. So here we go. Alan, you first. We need your gut feeling as a Cowboy-hating Saints fan. Come on. With eight games to go, can you see Dak Prescott winning MVP? No, I cannot see him winning the MVP. Mm. You know, I feel this is just... Once again, Cowboy fans looking for a silver lining in the midst of mediocrity, like always. You know, um, what does it matter to be in contention? You either are the best quarterback, you either are the MVP, you are the best team. And um, he's been having a he's been having a good year. You know, he's been putting up godly stats against some of the worst teams in the NFL. Like he hasn't up, up, up to this point, he hasn't beaten one team with a with a winning record. 
you know, if anything, I would I would ask you, yeah, let's skip. I would ask you, well, what has been his signature win thus far this year? You can make the argument that his signature game actually came in a loss against the Eagles, where yeah, partly some of the loss was due to some of his miscues in untimely fashion. You know, so despite him playing great in that game, you can make the argument some of those miscues were some of the reasons they lost. So I can't see him see him winning the MVP despite having a good year. I think it's a little bit premature thus far to say he's the MVP, especially when you go back. Off the top of my head, I can maybe go back to the last seven MVPs, maybe even more. I mean, they all had one thing in common, which was they won their division. So I think first and foremost, he has to win this division. If you don't win the division, I don't think that you should be up for MVP consideration. And that's still to be, that's still something that we'll see as the season transpires. So I think Dak's having a good year, but is he the MVP front runner? Absolutely not. I think he has work to do. Um, they got the Panthers this week. I look forward to them probably beating up on lower-level competition, as he's supposed to do and what they tend to do. But then you got Lamar in a showdown against Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes with Jalen Hurst. I think one of these guys have the potential to separate themselves from the pack and gain a little bit more ground. So to this point, no, I do not see Dak. All right, go, Yella. Um, I got to kind of disagree with you because, like, you know, he, he may have had a bad game when he uh, played the 49, but we've seen him how he's able to. Um, redefine itself when it comes to uh, certain games, certain situations. You know, last last game we went crazy. We already know we can't. We ain't gonna really too much say nothing about the Giants. They're the Giants, like I said, they're an NFL team. But at the same time, look how he played against the Eagles. But he didn't get the win, so that's why he's not gonna get the credit for that game. So, but I felt like if he keep playing and balling out the way that he balling out, you can't do nothing but give him a, a run at it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that he's gonna win it, but. He's been playing at a higher level than most of the quarterbacks these last couple of games. And you have to include that the Eagles are in that category. No, he didn't get the win. No, we didn't get the win against the 49ers. But he's playing at a higher level now, you know, a higher level. And I feel like if he just continues with it, then he can he got a shot at it. Well, like yeah, I got it. you know, I feel like in this situation, I think Allen was reading my notes or something, because he kind of took a lot of the same things that I said Great and wrapped it up with what I'm thinking in terms of wrapping it up. What I what he he Dak is playing good football. Let's give him that. His numbers su- suggest that. You know how I am, Skip? He got six interceptions on the year. I'm slicing that down the middle. He only really has three in my okay. eyes. The other three I give to other people on the team. Yep. He's playing phenomenal football. Phenomenal. But like Allen said, you can't win the MVP if you can't win the division. Yeah. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the division. Now, here's what he has Here's what he has going for himself, Skip, in, 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 in yellow. He's got the Carolina Panthers, which I believe they're going to walk all over them. Then he has the Washington Commanders, which could be a dogfight on Turkey Day. But yeah. I, I think if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that Cowboys beat them. I'm betting that they beat them. Don't know that they will, but I'm betting that they will. Now you got the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm -hmm. This is a game that all of us is going to watch and get glued in on, just like we did. Uh, Better yet, they got Seattle. We're going to watch Seattle. Then they got the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Seattle, then Philly. And if if he takes care of business, the way that he get against the Giants, against Seattle and Philly, mm-hmm. those would be his signature wins this year that people would Correct. be like, okay, he finally beat a team over 500. That will inject something in the voters and people's eyes to Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Now, do I believe 
That they're going to beat Philly? No, I do not. I don't believe that they're going to beat Philadelphia. Do I believe they're going to beat Seattle? That's a coin toss. That's a toss-up. But then it just gets tougher because you got teams that are fighting for their lives in Buffalo, in Miami, in Detroit's trying to come out of the conference. If he plays the way he played the last three games the rest of the season, that means that he's gone on a miraculous run and that Dallas Cowboys will probably win the division, mm. which means he will be pushed to the top in Cowboys Nation and possibly be the MVP. Anything short of that, he's going to go home without a trophy. All right. So, Keyshawn, I told you yesterday, it's hard for me not to disqualify Dak permanently from this MVP race after what he did or didn't do at Arizona and then at San Francisco. For that matter, at Philadelphia in the fourth quarter, as Allen points out, rightfully so, I just needed one more play. You go up and down the field, I just need a play. And he wasn't able to pull off that one great play that would have vaulted Dallas to the top of the, the conversation this week. And yet, against the Giants, he was sensational. He's been very good much of the year. But to Keyshawn's point, you have an opportunity now ahead of you to go win the MVP. You, you could go – if you win out, if, if you go to Carolina and then on Turkey Day you do what I think you can do to Washington and then you do it to Seattle and you do it to Philadelphia and then you go to Buffalo and then you go to Miami and you come home and beat Detroit and then you go to Washington and put a big exclamation point on, sure, he could win MVP because it's – That's a lot, it's all That's a lot. I know yeah. it's a lot. This team, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, but this team has firepower. I know it's being flexed and flashed against the Giants and the Rams, and you can go on and on. But in the 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 five five out of their six wins, that they've averaged forty points a game in five out of six wins. And again, these are NFL teams, so you can see what is at Dak's fingertips with firepower. Would I be shocked if they won out? It wouldn't shock me. I think they're that good. It would shock me. Well, okay. It would, it would, it would I, I, certainly I know, shock I me. It's no game owner that's pushover, but I feel like we can win five out of them six. You got to put them in category and him playing at that type of level. But that's a big if. Because we don't really so have you no pushover. You got him winning five out of six. You got him winning five out of the six. If he so what, so what's six. the one loss? Tell, tell me the one loss. I don't know. I'm not giving the one loss. I don't know the one loss. I'm just and I'm just going to yeah. If that one loss comes really... against Philly, he's eliminated no, from contention. He has okay. to we, win we, that I game. He has to win the we division. I don't know how the NFL going right now. Like everybody losing games that they're not supposed to lose to. I mean, lose. You get what I'm saying? They're winning games. People win the game. They're not supposed to win. And so I think I, at I, times, I don't know the, co- the Cowboys, the Cowboys ain't losing games that they're not supposed to lose. They losing games. We lost to um, uh, Arizona. They've yet to man. That's the that's the beginning of the season. That is, I, I, that's the beginning of the season. Anything is crazy in the beginning of the season. If the Cowboys played Arizona right now in the day, as much as Skip wants to tell Cowboy Nation, I hate the Cowboys. I the Cowboys would run shop on Kyler Murray and company today, because Arizona's a bad football team. Yep. Okay, but the two teams. That are good, they lost two. That's why it's going to be imperative. One, they got blew out. They got one, they got run out the building. And then the other one, 
They made everybody think that they was going to win it. Mm. They made everybody feel like they were going to win it, and they lost it. Mm. And those two teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers and Skip Knowles, dominated the over 500-plus teams that they played. So, you know, when I look at the schedule, Seattle is not a pushover. Yeah, and I understand it's in Jerry's world. And I understand they won 13 in a row at home. I get all that. Seattle is not a pushover. We know what Philly is. Mm. Buffalo is fighting licking their, their wounds right now. Yep. Mm. They're fighting for their life, man. They, they need Miami. a signature win. They need a signature win. Uh, they do. Yes. Okay, but Alan, back to you. It takes two to tango, as in MVP tango, and all of a sudden, Dak's got a legit dance partner, and even though Keyshawn's been a little skeptical, CeeDee Lamb has emerged to me as a top five receiver. Are you at all, do you give Dak a little credit because he's going to have a go-to receiver down the stretch who looks like legitimately is arriving? Right. I do give him credit, but it only adds more pressure for him to get it done. Now you do have a top five receiver. What's the excuse? I think that he's supposed to be America's team's quarterback. I thought y'all was playing for Super Bowl. So it's, it's just enough. It's always fringe contenders, fringe MVP contention. I think he's got to find a way to get this done. And I think a lot of times voters, we tend to get bored when the superstars produce on this level. Patrick Mahomes has been still playing at a at a high level with without elite level wide receivers. So I, got, I think you got to look at what Patrick Mahomes doing. You can make the argument C.J. Stroud has had bigger wins and high leverage moments than Dak Prescott has. So this next part of the season is going to be yeah. imperative for him to get some of these big wins. If not, how is he going to jump these guys? All right. He's not going to pass Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, just got a few seconds. Give me a quick to-the-point answer. Does Dak Prescott win MVP? Very possible. I like oh, that. Man. Very possible. Let's <laughs> leave it there. It's, very, it's, 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 it's very possible. It's very possible I can swim, <laughs> yeah. but I can't. <laughs> Keaton want to get on me. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's it for this week's Young very Money. Possible. Up I can't next, swim. But... Should Draymond be suspended? <laughs> So, obviously, Draymond Green was ejected last night for putting a headlock on Rudy Gobert, who then, after the game, called for Draymond to be suspended. Keyshawn, should Draymond be suspended? Yeah, I think he, I think he should miss some time. I don't know how much time that would be. Um, but he was only protecting his teammate, which I applaud him for doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe he could have shoved him, grabbed him yeah. by his jersey and just hemmed him up a little bit like I would have did Richard. <laughs> Sheesh. Sheesh. Easier said than donkey. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he should have been. He should be suspended. Just give him a game. You know, this is what that serious. Mm. I, I would say he'll get a couple of games just because it was a bad look for the NBA. But you guys have made great points on this show to me today about how you do have to step in and and protect your teammate Clay from Rudy trying to the, the refs gave him peacemake, but but he did put his hands on Clay and in, in your world you're saying no, I, I I'm not gonna stand for that. I don't know if it deserves a headlock to pull him away, but it wasn't a chokehold. It didn't didn't escalate to, to that level, Keyshawn. So but but you're you'd still be good with him going gone for a couple of games, maybe. 
Yeah, a couple, whatever, one or two games, and, and maybe there's a small fine there. But also, I look at what Clay did by grabbing the jersey, but then I also look at what McDaniel did to a point where he was just, you know, yeah. pulling him and tugging him and twisting him. And then what Rudy Gobert did, he should have grabbed McDaniel and said, hold on, hold on. Instead, he yeah. wraps his arms around the neck of Clay. Yeah. So in the end, you, you just it, you got to look at Draymond's track record and say, yeah, he's got to go for a couple of games. That's it for Undisputed. We will be back at 930 Eastern tomorrow. And I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>